Oh, that is absolutely delicious. Oh, I need more juice. Um, you, <laughs> oh gosh, more too juice. little, too little juice. Um, so the reason why I looked at my phone and laughed right before uh, we started this podcast is because one year ago yesterday we did your podcast. Really, a yes. year like exactly it's on the a money. Year, so it's three hundred and sixty-six days ago. Ah. we recorded your podcast. Well, that is awesome for. Uh, Amnesty Lillian Tate Verdine. Amnesty Amnesty Tate Lillian. I can't. It's one you of those. You nailed it. You got <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah. Amnesty Lillian, Lillian Tate, Tate Verdine. Verdine. Yeah. Tate one year ago for the art prize, and uh, here we are sitting one year later. Except for last time it was at Logan's Alley. Oh no. Are your things? Oh, it, yeah, it fully it's fell. It's, it's fine. I'll fix it later. I'm having an issue with. Um, Whatever that adhesive is. But yeah, last time we were at Logan's Alley, Art Prize 2022, baby, is happening at we are here. Social House yeah, this so, time. So w- w- what is Art Prize? For those that are listening in for the first time, they want to come and check out, but they're like, what is what is Art Prize? So Art Prize is uh, one of the largest international art competitions in the world that I'm aware of. Um all downtown Grand Rapids businesses have accepted a multitude of different mediums and, and artists to showcase their work at their businesses. Um, yeah, it goes for 18 days. So get out downtown, kind of look for the signs out front of businesses. And these, and and these locations are all around Grand Rapids? All around Grand Rapids. Most of them are concentrated in the downtown area, mm-hmm. um, but there are some others, you know, kind of out on Plainfield and, and stuff like that. And it's that. just at local establishments? Uh, yeah, local local businesses, um, but the artists are from all over the world. That's so, amazing. Yeah. What type of stuff do you typically see? Oh, you can see anything and everything. I mean, there's different categories of artists. So there's, you know, 2D, 3D, some things. I'm a time-based artist this year. Um, and Which is so Yeah, it's a cool. big switch from last year, that's yes. for sure. So last year you did a piece. Yeah. Uh, why don't you explain a little bit of what so that was? So last year I um, was in the installation category, and I had three sculptures that were kind of... Um, presented next to each other but not necessarily uh, related they weren't the same mediums so this year I decided to switch it up a little bit um, and do time-based which in this category the art is evolving over the 18 days of the festival so So, the time base is basically you're creating the art yes it's you're creating it while the art prize is happening that is you're you're altering your piece while art prize is happening so, so I remember a piece last year, um, kind of across from you, and it was, I believe, a time base, but it was made, is this guy, it was a bunch of gears. His name is Mark. Yes. Yeah, it's that guy. Yeah. So he um, he created this gear-shaped contraption that was absolutely absurdly wild, but he was building it over the course of the, the, the art prize, over the course of the three weeks, and then by the end of the third week... It was complete, and you could see the whole thing kind of shift and change and spin. Yeah, so Mark was actually a pretty big inspiration for me. Um, Watching him do that is kind of what made me want to go towards being a time-based artist this year. Um, Just watching that he was down there 
every day interacting with people, how the piece was constantly changing. It was uh, really, really inspiring. Um, he's also back again this year. So Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you know where he's at? He's actually at the Bob, so across the street the from Bob. where we're at yeah. right now. So Shout out to Mark. Do you know what his piece is or what it's, what it's revolving um, around? It's called FF, I believe. Um, and it is made from gears again. It's made from machinery. And it is like a sunflower that has a, a bee a bee on it. That so it's so like cool. a... So check Nature out, meets machinery. So check out the Bob. Check out Mark and his FF. I would say art. his last name, but I can't pronounce it, and I will <laughs> butcher it. Mark B. Mark B. <laughs> <laughs> so so tell us a little bit about you. So you're at the Social House downtown. Yeah. Grand Rapids this year. So Social House has two locations. Actually, one of them's in South Haven. I'm at the one um, on Ottawa. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know they had a Soho location. Yeah, they. Um, they opened it earlier this year. So at the original location, um, I love it down here. It's right across from Van Andel. The crew is great. Yeah, we're literally staring at Van Andel right now. We are outdoors at Social House. We are on venue. Yeah. So this is a live in-person podcast. Ambient. I like these are my favorite podcasts because it's it's on site. It's where it's happening. And it's the the piece is right next to us. Yep, yep. And you can see it's at its basically it's it's genesis right now. And you worked on it a little yesterday. A little bit yesterday, yeah. So I, I started carving yesterday, um, but basically we're looking at what would print as a blank block right now. So this is, um, you, you're you're basically carving. This is a three foot by five foot piece of uh, like a like a piece of wood, and you're carving a print. Yes. So I'm doing um, relief printing for this uh, piece. And with that, you are removing wood to create the negative space in the image. That's insane. So... Your brain is insane. I, I, <laughs> that's so crazy. There's a lot, of, a lot of different thought processes that go into, like, um, one, I made a big rookie mistake when I was planning the board out. Um, I have some sketching on there. And the theme for my piece this year it's actually a map of downtown grand rapids oh wow and then there's floral elements that i'm adding to the piece that are michigan native plants a lot of um pollinator plants kind of thing so my rookie mistake was when you carve you have to prepare for your image to come out mirrored because you're printing and so i drew the whole damn thing (laughs) the right way on orientation the board. correct correct and then realized in the wee hours of the morning last week that i had to switch it so that it would print the right way so so is, is it just on the other side of the board did you just flip the no board? i redrew oh my good God. yeah so i and flipped it so there's a lot a lot of thinking that goes into this process you have oh to plan gosh. a lot before you actually start to carve and, and to make the image well, I'm looking at it now. It, it is so... Are you going to draw more with the, the Sharpies as you go? Yeah. So you're going to draw more because it, it kind of... I'll, I'll post a picture of what it is now. And then hopefully by the time this goes up, we'll have a much better rendition. But if you want to see it, you have to come to the social house. Now, now how, how do they find you um, through the art part... Uh, through the art prize webpage and all website that. so yeah. if you if you have um like you make an account on art prize um, which gives you access to the art prize map 
and on the map you can search for titles of pieces, you can search for businesses, or you can search for artists by name, and then it will it will send you to you know my my information about my piece and and just my little like bio and and stuff that they have on there and then you can favorite the artists that you like and favoriting increases our chances of you know getting some recognition and some votes so and so the whole goal of this whole thing is this like the votes go towards a everyone votes on their favorite or and then is is that is that how the winner is determined uh, and is there different categories there's or? different categories so each category will have like a, a first place winner and then an honorable mention as well so oh, cool. there's one for 2d 3d time-based installation performance um, there's a performance one yeah i'm pretty sure that oh, there's I've been, a performance i've block. been waiting for my interpretive dancing oh <laughs> 2023 baby. I'm gonna do 366 it. days from now. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Same performance every day. 18 days. Ooh, it's gonna be a time-based. I'll create the performance over time. Each day one new movement is added. <laughs> to the interpret and then the whole interpretive dance comes to life at the day, end. Day one is just the first movement. <laughs> So the first few days are going to be really boring. <laughs> you should create a very large stage for you to do the one Ooh. movement on. What if, okay, so hold, hold on, hear me out. What if there was, for Art Prize, I pitch a time-based where I'm creating the stage, which, which would be a really unique stage, while... So there is a performance, and they're creating the choreograph in real time as well. And then at the very end, and the last the three stage days, is done, and the performance happens. That's a wonderful idea. Yeah, all three days, and all at the same time, you're creating the backdrop for the stage. The whole thing is the whole thing is time based. I love but it. But whose name are we going to put on the piece? Everybody's. Okay. Okay. Well, obviously mine because yeah, it's like I mean, it's your idea. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it would be like a, a multi-collaboration. I actually really like that. would be really fun. Because then you're collaborating with other artists yeah. in real time. Yeah. You get Mark down here and he'll come and be a part of the choreographed because he'll create his thing. And then in real time, at the end, he's going to show his little thing and all the little gears are going to go as a part of the choreograph. This is... This is turning into something really great. I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel 2023, it. 2023, we're coming for you. Watch out. It, it's, been, it's been really amazing to have the opportunity to do this again, a second year in a row, and to participate in a completely different category. Mm. I'm hoping for lots of foot traffic. Yesterday, I had a couple down that, you know, we had a long conversation about relief printing because that doesn't... Not everybody's familiar with that process, and that's a fun one to kind of like talk about and, and watch people kind of, you know, feel the boards and feel the textures. And he was like, wait, I have to take a picture of it right now because it's never going to look the same It'll again. Never look and just I'm like, like that, is, that is the beauty of it. Yeah, that's, you know? that's art within itself. It's kind of an organic making process with an organic image. And, it's a, and they're like, this board will never look like this from this point and also at, a, at every given point throughout the process, right. which is really cool. So you have to come back and see me multiple times. Many times. Yes, yes. And so you're at Social House across from Van Andel. Do you have like hours that you're gonna hold? 
Yeah, um, so... Are you basically here full time? The whole time, um, I was fortunate enough to get a couple sponsors to awesome. allow me to, um, you know, take some time off work so that I can be here throughout the entire event. Pretty much full time here, Full right? time here. Um, they are going to be open seven days a week during Art Prize. Mm. Usually they're closed on Monday and Tuesday, so open every day. And my goal is to be here from 11 until, you know, five or six dinner time. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. And you're going to be more or less carving the whole time. Carving the whole time. Well, you got this cool ambient atmosphere. The music's going. People are coming around. in. Yeah. That's so cool. What tools do you use for this? Because um, this is like wood carving. Are you, do you just, you got a bunch of chisels? and? So I use what do you, what small, do you? I don't even know what you use. I use small um, U and V gouges. It's like a hand, a hand tool right over there. Um, I wish it was had them out but yeah so there's small hand tools um sometimes and you uh, just push just push it's all no hammers no hammers wow. no it's all you know that's crazy physically powered over here um sometimes i use a dremel okay for like the little details and for, stuff you know yeah little details it produces a different texture um but that's i didn't really want to involve any machinery this time around i wanted it to be very much uh, organic. Organic. What is? I'll think of it in a minute, and it'll just it'll just come out. Well, you've had you've had half of a mimosa. Yeah, we should have some more. Chop chop. <laughs> Are you? Oh, you're ready. <laughs> oh, I'm. I'm already one in. It's. It is 11:22 a.m. It is a Friday, so I'm thankful Fri that we're drinking on a Friday, and. Uh, so this is really cool. I, 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 do you, are there any other nearby artists? There are actually or here? four other artists here in this venue. At, at, at Social House? Yes, at Social House. Wow. So okay. you have the opportunity to see, and they're all different mediums. Oh, so really you have cool. the opportunity to see quite a few artists, you know, if you stop in. And yeah, food's great here. Yeah. Have they, a, they serve food. So we're, we're doing a mimosa flight right now. Yeah. Which is a little aggressive. <laughs> we decided, we woke up and chose today to go <laughs> a little hard. I was excited to see you. What can I say? Yeah, this this podcast slaps early. <laughs> Real early. We're going to get to the end of it and be like, this is a, our fourth mimosa. A, I have a doctor's appointment in like two hours. This is spe- Just I'm leave gonna, this part out. I'm going to show up. And the doctor's going to be like, why do you smell like champagne? <laughs> Your blood alcohol content is a BAC little elevated. It's a four. <laughs> no, 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 no. So that's cool. Um, this is really, I'm really, really excited about this whole thing. Honestly, um, we're going to post this online. And uh, those that are passing through are going to be able to listen to the podcast in real time. And hopefully I can get this to you quickly. So that way people can listen and show up throughout the the entire venture of uh of art prize which is really cool yeah absolutely it's a it's a nice change of pace from all of the other things that i run or around and do round two so yeah round two okay so now so now we're gonna play a game because now everyone heard your um this can go My back spiel. on ice um ever everyone knows some about what you're doing here but we don't know much about you and so we have to learn 
about Tate. All right. Which is your favorite part of the whole thing. I love this part. What's that one? Orange juice. That's orange? I'm going to do grapefruit, I I think I want grapefruit, too. So, oh, okay. Thank you. I'll do orange. Oh, no. We can do the same same thing. (laughs) Orange is just so normal, you know? I like orange. Yeah, so does everybody else. That's why most mimosas are Okay, we're going to do questions with Tate. Mm, Okay. And and I have 19 questions here. 19? Oh, 20. I have 20 questions here. Do I have to pick a number? And you got to pick a number, and uh, it can be any, some are fun, some are deep, but we're going to learn a lot about Tate Verdine real quick. Oh, boy. Okay, I will start with number three. Number three, okay. Ooh. <laughs> I don't like this already. <laughs> You're maniacally laughing. What's the single most important thing to make a relationship with someone work? To me? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> we went real deep, real <laughs> right fast. Hot out of the kitchen. Um, single most important thing to make a relationship work for me is probably communication. Um, and I mean like... What type of communication, though? Because um, that can mean many different things. I, I I mean actual conversation, like talking, like even when you don't want to kind of thing. So you got to ha- be able to have the fun kind of uh, fun conversations. And then I feel like it's very important to be able to have uh, really tough conversations as well. Because I think that's those. when you grow. Are you the type of person that, are you quality time conversation or are you just quality time type person? Um... I, I would say I'm a quality time kind of person, but I like to, I don't know, I like to sit down and, you know, face-to-face actually talk things out, which can be a little intimidating for some people sometimes. For some people. Not everybody nah. uh, can can do that, but I think it's... But everybody should do that. I think it's important, you know, to, to see who you're talking to so that you can get a better read off of how the conversation's going. Instead of, you know, sometimes text messages and things, you can perceive tones and the way that mindset (laughs) that you're in. Let's be clear. Text messaging is a terrible form of communication. Yeah, well, It is terrible. Some people work better nonverbal. Some people are better with messaging and stuff. I am am not that kind of person. Yeah, but, but, but in reality, like texting, you don't read the message as it was sent right you, you read, read it, it in the mindset as you, you are in. right yes, in the emotional state that you are in and Usually. especially like somebody like me i'm a fairly direct person and i I'll, and i also your two-word text <laughs> i'm sorry i'm really sorry uh yes i give two-word text often and that's because like um i'm very single-minded based so well, if, if i'm if i'm in the middle of something i don't want to ignore you i'll respond and i'll give you exactly the information you need at the given time. And then I'll go back and look and be like, oh, that feels really cold. And so I'll have to go back and address it and be like, hey, you're amazing and I love you. And I'm following up. I think that's like, you would ask me like, are you, are you on your way? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's all. And it seems cold, but for me, I'm like, I'm in the middle of something else. And so uh, people don't, or like if I respond like, okay, like that, those two word, those two letters yeah. can mean a myriad of yes, things, yes. which is why I hate texting. Right. So that's why, I don't know, communication, when, and when I say that, I mean like actually talking to who you're trying to, you know, um, maintain whatever kind of relationship with. That is, it's important. 
Even which, the hard stuff. The hard stuff's more important sometimes than the easy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also why I really like the, the, the audio messages that you can send. Granted, with anyone that's not an iPhone user, a.k.a. the person sitting across from me right now. I can send video. You can, I mean, you I can, can send, send them voice. to me. I can't send them to you. Oh, really? It doesn't let me. No. Oh, so Apple, because I thrive with voice messages. No, and when you send it to me, it actually sends like an audio file that I have to click on and go in. But if I send like an audio message to someone that has an iPhone, it just sends it. They hit play or they just, they lift up their phone, it plays and then it vanishes. It goes away. So like Apple makes it uh-huh. an exclusive thing. Yeah. They, okay. It's, well. Oh, it's annoying. Don't get me wrong. It's annoying because I would rather just send you a voice message. Because then you can hear the tone of my voice. Right, and it's easier personally for me to process. I don't oh, yeah. I don't read. I'm severely um, scatterbrained. I have, you know, bees in my brain all the time. But, so my so, it's so my two word text should be really great for you then? Yes. <laughs> I don't I don't read in between the O and the K. <laughs> like yeah. just okay. <laughs> oh, do you wanna you wanna meet up for lunch? Yes. <laughs> Look. What does that mean? Yeah. What does it mean? Where? What time? I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. That's a, that's very real. That's a that's a very real thing. Um, it's so funny how one small word can mean so many things. Uh, but that's you know communication in the essence of what it is. The words itself are so little, such a small part of communication. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that, you know, getting your message across takes a lot more sometimes than than just words. I have a break in fidelity between the thoughts I have and then the words that I can create. And then the words that I give to you that you can understand, there's a break in fidelity there. And then the words that go in your ears and then to your brain to interpret, there's a break there. So there's so many breaks in fidelity. By the time I speak and you hear and understand, we're we're rolling on like twenty percent fidelity here, like it barely barely reaches. Everything you. that we're saying is not accurate. No, nope. basically, it's like garbage. It's hot, Vocal. hot garbage. Yeah, I know. I mean, well, if you look at like the evolution of all animals' in existence, like verbal language, we are virtually the only species on the planet that has a verbal language with a dialect as complex as our own. I mean, there are other animals that have noises and they can kind of. But, but but it's 99% it's, it's it's body language it's it's what's being said not in the words but in how it's being said um, so it's really interesting communication is we could do a whole episode on communication yeah. really but that's my thing to make relationships work you gotta talk to each other you gotta talk you gotta talk alright pick another number what do you oh, okay is, is less it, is deep this, little, this time let's see let's do less deep let's do number 8 Number eight. You say less, less deep. I I don't know what the questions are. I'm just picking numbers here. What one event in your life shaped who you are more than anything else? Okay, I would say, and I've I've said this before. If you hang out with me long enough, you'll probably hear this story. But I would say, probably my parents' divorce. What happened? Um, when my parents divorced, um, I was three. Oh goodness! And okay. my parents moved back to their original towns that they grew up in, and for me that meant one moved to Michigan and one moved stayed in Mississippi. 
And so Do you I, remember this? Because that's right at the onset of cognitive memory. Yeah. Thing. It's right there. Oh, I remember. Wow. Um, and the reason why I say that is probably the event that has shaped my life significantly. Um, not, you know, not because I have any, um, I mean, of course I have feelings about the divorce, but um, it caused me to have kind of a, two different areas to grow up in. I got to grow up in Michigan and I got to grow up in Mississippi. Um, and that's definitely shaped a significant amount of what's home for of you of my life. Uh, that's yeah. Which one? Which one's home for you? I would say Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah, I you know that's where my grandparents are. It's where I went to high school at. So every time um, you buy a flight to Mississippi, you you're like I go I, home. Yeah. You go home to Mississippi. Yeah. Like I just said, I'm going home for Thanksgiving the other day, kind of yeah. thing. Um, but but equal parts. I mean, I spent all of my summers and stuff in in Grand Haven in in Michigan. So I don't know. It definitely created this this dichotomy that I've always kind of had to deal with emotionally and and actually like traveling and stuff. So it was a pretty significant event. Hmm. For probably more than just me as well. But where, where did you go to high school at? I, in Mississippi. In Mississippi. Yep. What age did you move to Michigan? I moved to Michigan the day after I graduated oh high school. Oh, my gosh. Like the day after. So were after. you, like, looking to come up here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I knew at that point that I wanted to pursue art. And um, I had a fear that if I stayed where I was, I wouldn't have as many opportunities um, kind of presented to me to pursue art so so yeah. you're like a decade out of high school-ish right yeah <laughs> you're halfway to your 20-year reunion so now looking back do you feel like that's the same like do you feel like there's more opportunities here in Michigan as far as your art is concerned I would do say you feel like it was a good move it, it was a good move um it was it was a great move I needed to, I needed space and time away from where I, I grew up to really I appreciate it now, um, 10 years later. I really do. I love kind of going home and stuff. And I don't think that I would have had that same attitude towards Mississippi and, and my hometown if I wouldn't have given myself the time and the space to kind of, hmm. you know, shoot out of, move across the country at 18. And Was that scary? Did you know anybody up here besides your family? Yeah, I, because I grew up kind of, you know, spending summers here, I had... I had friends and friend groups kind of already established, and and I um, chose a school where I knew a couple people, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was it was a little scary. I mean, and it was scary leaving, but I like knew, I guess. Um, but I, I think that it was a really big opportunity for growth, and mm. that's what I wanted. Yeah. That's, that's why that's what I was looking for. I was looking for something different, so. Hmm. I got a I got a random art question for you. Sure. What's your favorite medium to work with? Oh, that's a really difficult one. Um, I would say. Like if you had if you had one month, and you were fully sponsored for a whole month and just an open time and an open palette for anything you wanted to do, what would you do? I would probably make. I love sewing. Sewing is probably my favorite. Really. What I've been doing the longest. Um, yeah, I've been sewing for 23 years. 
So I would say probably probably creating. I don't think I would make clothes though. No. No, I think I would create something like flags, like a, like a well, like, like a like fabric Trump sculpture. Hell, <laughs> no. Let me be clear, crystal clear. I would never create a Trump anything. <laughs> um. <laughs> you lost Shame your, on you. Lost your headphones on that one. <laughs> Everything's coming off the cuff. Um, no, but I think I would. Uh, one of my favorite artists is Sam Gilliam. He's an African American artist. He's in his seventies at this point. Um, but he makes fabric sculptures and mm. they these big pieces of fabric, fabric. sculptures. Yeah, he 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 dyes and paints larger pieces of fabric and then he hangs them oh, in cool. places to you know create kind of a, a mood or, or it's very installation based. So I would I would probably work with fabric if I how's that second one muscle treating you over there? <laughs> I'd probably That's work really with fabric cool. for a while. Yeah. That's really cool. Okay. Pick a number. What do you got? We've gone three, we've gone eight, and both have been heavy questions. There's, it's like a mix. Like some, a lot of these are fun, so just pick a fun question. Oh, okay, hmm, let's go with mm, 15. 15. I always pick 12, so I'm oh, trying to avoid one. that. Okay, 15. This is a fun one. Actually, I'm gonna read. <gasps> yeah, 12's fun. 15. Okay, well, I'm gonna pick that too, though. Do you consider yourself to be smarter than your friends? <laughs> I think that is <laughs> definitely depends on what we're talking about because I would general not, question yes or no no I do not I do not consider Ooh, myself to be smarter you than you are an educated <laughs> intelligent woman I mean I am educated and I am definitely intelligent but there I'm, st- I'm still learning you well, know we're all, we're all learning as what an educated mind would say well that's just yeah I feel like probably have a couple things that I might know more about, but there are definitely, I am definitely, common sense is not my friend sometimes, (laughs) so I would not call myself smarter than the I'm definitely smarter than my friends. I'm friends with a bunch of dummies. (laughs) Well, you're also a very, very smart human being, so. (laughs) Yeah, but the bar is set low with my friends. (laughs) Bottom of the trough. They're a bunch of tubbies. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Kind of. I love you all. I love love my friends. I have like four friends. I have a bunch of, you know, fire-spinning circus friends, so we all have our expertise yeah. in... Yeah, but all of you guys are, are not only extremely creative and talented, but you're also really smart and intelligent, so... You have a very, very niche group of people, and it's really cool. Very yeah, it took, you know, a long time to find each other, but... Here you are. Here we are. Yeah. yeah. All right, what's the next number? What number do you got? 12. You said that one's fun, too. Oh. You said... <laughs> oh, God, you said it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. If you could go back and tell your eight-year-old self anything, what would you say? Eight-year-old self? Yep, eight-year-old Tate. I would say, oh my goodness. I would tell myself to trust my instincts sooner. Ooh. Less self-doubt. Less self-doubt. Yeah, definitely. What would you tell your 15-year-old self? Don't do drugs. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not like do the smart drugs, not the bad drugs. Um. Okay, I guess I guess do the smart drugs, sure, you know. But I, I would no, I would tell I would tell my 15 year old self maybe to focus on what I was doing a little more. Maybe how about than just pump, pump the brakes? On, yeah, on yeah. The drugs. <laughs> pump, pump the you don't have to like not do them, but just pump the brakes. 
Well, 15 was a difficult time for me because that's when I was, I had started high school and I, like I said, I'd been going back and forth for a long time, Mississippi to Michigan. I had oh, completely different different experiences depending on what state I was in. What was the high school like differently from Michigan to um, Mississippi? Like, I would how, like how say are those how are those experiences? Cuz I only know Michigan as far as like the American pe- uh, pedagogy is. Okay, is like, so not to um, firstly love love my high school, love where I grew up. Um, but we didn't have in Mississippi. Yeah, but like so, art, art class was you walked in and you picked up like a coloring sheet and you did color pencils, or you walked in and you picked up a coloring sheet and you painted it, or you really? there was no there there was no you get to take a painting class or a drawing class or a, so as somebody who is now an artist that was you know the education on that was not not provided to us really. Um, we didn't really have like computers in school. Um, I mean, I grew up in very rural southern Mississippi. I had computers. I took computer. I like. I took in high school included typing class, like how to learn how to type. I did that in like seventh grade, but that was pretty much the last time that we were. Yeah. Really? So um, I grew up in a very. <clears throat> You know, racist area. So there was definitely that was an element to high school. Everybody was kind of grouped off and stuck stuck to your parts of town and, and so how is like that, that different from the your Michigan high school experience? Or did um, you go to high school in Michigan? No, no you only went. No, in, I only went. You in just came back. You just came back occasionally. Right, okay. right. Um, I mean, I think the biggest difference was like realizing that there was different art mediums and stuff like as somebody who's always been interested in that but then didn't see any other specialized things until I was 18 like, I didn't even know what printmaking was until mm. I went to college like what I'm doing now and like what I love I had no idea what that even was until I was like 18 years old mm. so I just think the variety of, of classes and electives and stuff that you get to have up here are more well-rounded and down there, our school was funded by if we won sports or not. Hmm. So. Well, it is <laughs> the dirty south. Yeah, Friday night lights, baby. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I love I love where I grew up, and and I had some great teachers. Um, but I would say that education-wise, at 15, I wasn't being stimulated that way. So I was out doing other. Doing other things. Other stimulations. <laughs> other stimulating things. <laughs> okay. Okay, what do you got? What number you got? 19. 19. Oh. You sure you want to go with 19? What's the most painful thing you've ever been told? Um... You are picking all of the heaviest yeah, questions. Yeah, wow, you're really getting to know Dave for nine. Um, one of the most painful, this is, this is, okay. I'm saying this is one of the most painful things because this is something that has affected me since it has been said to sure, me. Sure, sure. Somebody told me that, or they didn't tell me. Someone this year asked me after being in my general area and presence for a couple days, 
They asked me if I was always loud. Interesting. And it has made me have a complex ever since because I am a, I'm a small, boisterous kind of person. And we'll see how that's presented, how that's asked is asked from, and I know you know this. I know you know this, but people don't, people don't see the world as it is. They see the world as they are. I wouldn't say that I took, I didn't take offense, but it's something that has stuck with me. Well, I mean, Anytime I'm like laughing out loud, I'm like, oh, am I laughing too loud? I'm like, why do I have this complex now? Well, see, you know? it, it, what it is, it, it made them uncomfortable. And, yes. and I like, I, I love the person that you are. And in, in, in a sense, the volume you carry speaks volumes about who you are as a person. And, and that's, that's a great thing. It's just a thing. Yeah, a lot of people say they can find me like by my laugh. <laughs> that's true. I and love your laugh. Your laugh is like one of my favorite things about you. But apparently, so don't ever stifle that laugh. Okay, okay. It's spectacular. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess on a, I don't know. I don't, I don't like to... I take everything with a grain of salt. I don't like to keep lists of... of well, no. You know, I mean, like, it's the same with me, you know. Um, I can remember uh, a previous... And actually, this is on... I talked about this on a previous podcast. It was a while back, but um, there was uh, a f- one of my ex-girlfriends before, like, right as we were kind of going through the roughest patch and we ended up breaking up, like, right, right before I left because I was leaving town, she's like, no one will remember you. And that that one stuck with me. Um, yeah, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, and I think what it was is she was really hurt. Right, I think that's why I don't keep a list. Because usually right. when people say hurtful things, it's because they're hurting. Yeah. And Her- I try to communicate and get to the bottom of... But it's, it's hard because... That's that's it's, a rough one. It's still hurtful. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's easy to say I try not to, you know remember those things but that 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 one stung a little bit that one stuck with me i did have one of my siblings um tell me once that because i i used to have a lot of um just just insecurities about i don't know my dad my dad living here you know and having to travel and like see him and stuff and i did have one of my siblings once tell me that that is why um he like I did something, and they're like, and that's why your dad doesn't call you Ooh. kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, that was unnecessary. Unnecessary. And I'm yeah. like, oof, but untrue. Again, it was it was somebody else that was hurting, and that was mad and, yeah. and lashed out. So Yeah. Well, it's, it's, if you can pin the gravity of a situation on another person, it makes your pain seem less painful. Right. It's like I'm hurting, so I'm going right. to hurt yeah because if you hurt more than me then maybe mine will be more manageable yeah and sadly that's the reality we live in so um it's actually funny i was talking to a good friend of mine last night and um earlier this week i went to this gathering that was on a boat and we were all kind of introducing each other and and there was this guy that's known me for about a month or so um and he introduced me and he was like he went like over the top he was just like, Mark's this incredible guy who, um, 
is successful not only on a material level but also like emotional and mental and uh, spiritual level and all these things and he just kind of went on and on and I was like <laughs> I was like first of all you're ridiculous <laughs> it's like you don't know me <laughs> you're looking around like, <laughs> I'm like my life is in shambles right now <laughs> but um, he was so kind in everything he said um, and a lot of it had to do with like he like I mean last last weekend I uh, I ran the Mount Baldhead challenge the 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 race in in Saugatuck where you run, it's like 12, it's a 12 mile run. And then, but you run on top of Mount Baldhead, which is a dune with stairs. It's terrible. It took like two and a half hours. That morning I woke up with the, like the worst migraine I've ever had. Um, oh my gosh. and I hadn't, I didn't, I slept maybe two hours. I was nauseous. Um, and I was at the, I literally was at the starting line. I got my pack and I'm like, I don't know if I can run a mile, let alone 12 and dunes and trails and all this stuff. But I did it, you know, I just, I was just like, I'm just going to do as much as I can. And I, I ran the whole, it took like two hours and 40 minutes and I did it. I'm super and, proud of you. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but like the world isn't better because I did that. Right. And, right. and Oh, right. So and, the grandiosity of, of your introduction is and, not and so necessary. Like, I was sitting, I was sitting with all this information. Like that night I went to bed and I was sitting with all of this, like his, his introduction that he gave to me, which was so kind and so generous. But I was like, I don't want to be remembered for the guy that just, you know, like, that that was you know like he was grunted through i mean like i think of like a david goggins or a um a cam haynes you know like these guys that just they they forge through they stay hard i'm like i don't want to be i want to be the guy i want to be the guy that's remembered for being relentlessly kind like that's what i want to be known for like the guy that shows up when i am not expected to and where i give where i'm not expected to and where I listen, where I'm not expected to, like that's the thing that matters to me. And all, I almost resented. I mean, it did, obviously didn't. I was very thankful, but I almost w- I wish he would have said, "This is Mark. He's kind." Yeah. And that's it. He's one of the kindest people that I. That's have. and and that's my goal in life is is not to be super successful or super like honestly like these things will fade away. I don't care. I'm not going to remember the money I made or the money I saved when I'm 70 years old. I'm going to remember this conversation I had with Tate Verdine at Social House. And 366 days After later. our first one. That's what I'm going to remember. The human interactions, the, the opportunities to be kind when it wasn't expected. That's what I want to be known for. That's what I want to remember. I'll drink to that. Let's drink to that. And that's what pushes me right now. Like, I... I don't care about anything I like that a lot. I want to be known for being relentlessly kind. That is It's on my wall at home. Thank you. It's on my wall. You know my little board at my house? Yeah. There's, oh, that was a lot. Thank you for that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sorry, I didn't have an off switch. That's all right. (laughs) Too loud and I drink too much. It's fine. (laughs) Um, It's on my board at home. And what it, there's, uh, I have, I have this, this, uh, this this dream wall journey wall i don't know what you want to call it it's it's where i put um it's your vision vision wall, wall yeah where you manifest yeah. your in the middle there's reality there's four big postcards and it says to be relentlessly kind to be relentlessly kind and that's that's the like the basis of who i am as a person i'm gonna mix these i want a little bit of this well you know first step to having something happen write it down write it down all i want to be is kind like everything else will be washed away. I just want to be relentless and kind. And I want to write a book. I want some of this to be seen. 
<laughs> by lots of people, you know. It's, it's, uh, well, it, it, it is and yeah. will be. Yeah. Okay, pick a number. Here we go. We got two more numbers. You're gonna you're gonna do two more questions and then okay. we're done. Okay. I will do number. Let's go back to number one. Question number one. <laughs> you are. Am I just? Is it enough? Let's not do one because it's it's too close to number. Uh, okay. What about nineteen? What about number five? Ooh, this is a fun one. What is infinity? Never ending, never ending loop. It's the juice. Um, infinity. Ooh. Well, what is infinity? Define it. The Tate Verdine definition of infinity. Uh, yeah, I would say something that is everlasting. Okay. And unbounded. Unbound? Unbound and everlasting. Ooh. Give me an example of something that holds the characteristics of infinity. Mm. This is good. The mix. A little bit of pineapple and a lot of grapefruit. That is a spectacular. Well, that, that is a, you should try this. I'm gonna try it. It is spectacular. Um, something that encompasses my definition of infinity. That holds the characteristics of infinity. Love. Oh dear God almighty. <laughs> Everlasting and unbound. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Infinite. Oh, that is good. Boom. It's a like, little bit of right. the it's, grapefruit it's tangy. tanginess. Yeah, it's, and then you get the bitterness of the grapefruit, but then there's that little hint of sweet pineapple in there. That is spectacular. Uh, if you want a really good mimosa, 80% grapefruit juice, 20% pineapple, pineapple juice. juice. Also, makes. We're on the third one, so usually they only get better. <laughs> I was going to say make sexy time fun. I would feel What number? Um, I wish I didn't. I wish I had something uh, less corny to say, but I feel like love is something that pervades. And I don't just mean couples love. I mean people's love for whatever they are doing. Your love. You know, whether you or what your p passion passion could be you know infinite like you can go infinite places if you are passionate about something because that determines how much time and energy you're gonna put into it and that you know, yeah practice makes progress so yeah all right last question Tate Verdine what do you got I'm trying to remember which one I did um let's go with number 20 20. <sighs> Your reaction gets me every time, and I can't. <laughs> if this were to be our last conversation, what is something that you would never want me to forget? <laughs> that your kindness in my own life, like the way that I have received and perceived you as a person has been nothing but what you are striving for. You are too kind. So, you know, you're one of the most giving people. I love you. That's, you know, got mad love for you. I love you too, Tate. So, 
That is something that you should, if this was going to be our last conversation, <laughs> that would be, I would want you to know that the kindness that you strive to put into the world is seen by mm. some. Well, thank you. Yeah. Very kind. I wasn't looking for that, but thank you. You know, you're welcome. Tate Verdine. Thank you. Tate Verdine, man. We had <laughs> several questions there. One last question. Oh, boy. I asked you this last time. Do you remember what the question was? 365 if, days ago. 66. If that microphone was clicked on and the whole world could hear you for 30 seconds, what would you say? I would say to be authentically you. Trust your instincts. Go with your gut and try to use all of that, the going with the gut, the instincts, the authenticity to be a bright light in this world. I feel like we are living in a time where we need people to be seen and to shine. And I think that the magic makers out there, whether it be artists, circus folk, musicians, just people that take the time to have a conversation to the cashier or the bus driver. I think that all of the little bits of light that we can put into the world right now, we need to. Mm. Because I think we're going through some crazy times. And I think that it is really important to be authentically you right now. Mm. Unless you're a murderer. And then you need to do less. <laughs> then you need to shut up. <laughs> then you need to sit the fuck down. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Tate. No, thank you, thank you Mark. Given the time and for sharing your art. This art is already incredible and it's just at the beginning. It's just at and the I beginning. Wait to see. I will hopefully becomes. be printing. The goal is to print between September twenty eighth and October second. So come down, hang out, social house on Ottawa. And chat with me, have a beer while I'm carving, and it's going to be a great, great art prize. That's so cool. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Bye. I wish Highball Energy Drink would sponsor the podcast. I would promote the heck out of them. should ask. It is a, I'm going to adjust this tiny okay. bit, a little bit more towards you, a little bit up. There we go. Um, cause it's, I, I love like LaCroix and stuff, mm-hmm. but in the mornings I want a little kick and these have like 145 milligrams, which is like pretty much a coffee. Um, yeah. so I'll only have four or five, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, I, uh, last, last Friday I came into town and recorded Tate, um, which, if you're listening, that is the recording before this, uh, the previous artist. And then I drove back to Lansing to go to my doctor's appointment. And um, my, the clinic is like five minutes from my house. And when I was leaving the clinic, I was a little disoriented, a little, not bad. Um, but I got lost. Oh, no. And you know me yeah. and directions. Like, I got, I, I got here. Um, I turned on the directions last minute because I wanted you to know I was close. But I, like, I'm super directionally inclined. I lived in, I've lived in Lansing for, like, 
my, basically on and off for my whole life. I know these roads very well. And I left um, the hospital and uh, it was just the, the doctor's office and I couldn't figure out where I was or where I was going. Oh, that's and, the worst. and I ended up in Okemos, which is like 15 minutes away. Oh. And, I, and I'm like, where? And like, you know the feeling when you wake up and you're like, you don't know where you are. You're trying to figure out mm -hmm. where you are. It was like that, but for a pretty decent amount of time. Oh, that's crazy. And I had to plug in my own home address into my my car's navigation in order mm -hmm. to, to get home. Yeah. And, I was, and then I went home and slept from... Oh man, it was it was a lot. I slept from like I, I can't remember what time I got home. Maybe two thirty until nine o'clock that night, and I got up and ate a little bit of food and went back to bed and slept the whole night. Oh wow! So I slept for like seventeen hours. Ugh. It was crazy. That is crazy. It was just it was disorienting. Is yeah. What it was. Yeah. Because um, I think you actually texted me in the midst of all that. I think you were like. I think you were asking me if I was going to come out or come over or something. I can't mm -hmm. really remember, but, um, I don't, I don't even know if I respond. I don't think I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's okay if you don't, but <laughs> I understand. It's almost like when you, you know, if you, you're sleeping around at different places and you wake up and you can't figure out where you are, it's oh, like that feeling. It, but it was that in like when I was in the seat of my car. That's insane. It was, it was like upsetting because I didn't want to have to put in my home home address yeah but there came a point where i'm like i'm like looking around and i i can't figure out where i am like i yeah. recognize all the things like i was passing under 127 which is one of the big highways in lansing mm -hmm. and i'm like i know 127 i know right where it's at yeah but i don't know where i'm at where to go after that i have no idea how i got here oh, wow. i have no idea it was very strange yeah it was very very strange um but i'm okay I just lots of sleep and yay for technology and Google Maps. <laughs> I don't if had GPS not existed. Yeah. Or if I this was like 1994. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. Yeah, you should uh, notify people to like put a, put a tracker on yourself, like you know, put a little chip in, like find my pet. You know, if you ever <laughs> can't find you for a few days, we'll just track you down. <laughs> just beep. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Looks like Mark is over on the other side of the state again. Oh, Mark's in Detroit. All right. So we'll go get him. Yeah, it was just very strange. Um, yeah, it's a weird feeling. Yeah, it was yeah. wild. Um, so that's been uh, some of the weird things that's been happening with me. Huh. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll go into more of that later because the listeners don't know anything about any of that. <laughs> it's just some minor health issues. Okay, it's not a big deal. Um, but we are here in foreshadowing Grand Rapids mm -hmm. because you are in Art Prize. Yeah. Which is so, 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 so cool. It is fun. And how many years have you done this? Uh, I was trying to figure it out. I think it's either six or seven. And I want to say it's been going for 11 or 12 years. Um, so roughly half of the years I'm in it. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's pretty cool. It's a neat concept. You've been here half of the years. Yeah. I can't imagine there's a lot of artists who have been here half of the years. I don't know, actually. Um, some people here, there's a 44 artists in this venue, and a few of them are like, oh, I've been here a few years, or one or two or three years, but I haven't heard any longtime people, so. You you might be up there with the best of them. <laughs> I don't know about the best. But how does that feel? Maybe the most frequent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how does that feel? Like, well, I 
I enjoy it, and I, I'm, you know, if I feel inclined to do it, and my accomplished, I feel well. I don't know what accomplished, but yeah, I, I, I would say you fall into the category of fairly accomplished if you've been here half of the years that our prize exists. That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I suppose. <laughs> so, I, so tell us. I mean, tell me a little bit about your piece. Uh, so the painting is uh, 72 inches long and 54 inches high. Massive. It is massive. We're sitting beneath it right now. And I, I can tell you there's a lot of um, miraculous things that happened in the creation of this painting. Really? <laughs> yeah. So the first thing is I wanted to do something very large and that's I only had three things I needed to cover. I needed it, the painting to be very large and very easy to see from a distance um, for viewing ability and also a horse of some kind. And so I was very, I was under a lot of pressure beginning of this year to come up with a painting because you need to have most of it done by April. That's when the venues match up with you and you have to show something. So. Oh, interesting. Exactly. And so I decided to do it in February and I had to be ready by April, but I was extremely busy. Um, and so I, I knew what I could do well and what I could do large, um, which would be a horse because I'm very experienced in doing horses. So how many horse paintings have you done in your life? Oh, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I've been drawing and painting horses since I was like 14. So out of the blue at 14, you started painting. Oh, well, yeah, actually, uh, cause I was drawing since I was a kid. And I grew up next to a horse farm, so I was growing, drawing the horses. Drawing the horses yes. when you were a kid. And I was scared of painting, and I started to mess <laughs> around with, I painted on seashells. Oh, really? Yeah, when I was like 13 or 14, and then I, someone's like, well, you should start painting horses. And so I didn't. I painted Gandalf from Lord of the Rings because oh, I liked, that was my first painting painting. That's so cool. Yeah, because I was obsessed with Lord of the Rings. And then um, I uh, got brave enough to start doing horses, and uh, it worked. <laughs> so it worked. it worked people liked it and people started asking for paintings and so I just kept doing it um, and art really isn't just the power of observation is all it is uh, and it's very easy people say oh I could never paint I'm like no trust me like sit, sit down with me for a few weeks and I could teach you how to paint it's really not that hard that's awesome it's just learning your scales like you would for music so so here we're looking at a painting and it's a painting of a black horse. A is large it, black horse. Is it a gilding or is it a mare? It is a stallion. Oh. So he has all the balls, all the bits and pieces. It, um, can we just talk about this mane for a second? Uh, yeah. Holy cow. The the mane on this horse is gorgeous. It's, it's quite magical, yeah. Is I, the, no, it's, do, you, do you find manes that long and beautiful in nature? And typically, uh, no, not in nature. Not in only <laughs> horses that's outside able to do what they want. This horse was very protected and had braided hair, uh, and this is a horse I, I knew. Um, so, yeah, he was, and I, being a so, sta wait, stallion. So this is actually a painting of? A horse that I knew from a photo I took, yes. Oh, interesting. Okay, yes. okay. Yep. Uh, so I worked for a trainer. Um, my trainer, Stacy, was a... a a very accomplished dressage trainer. And so this was a client's horse. Um, the horse's name is Devin. And um, one day it was beautiful. That is a human name. It is a human name. How do you feel about human names with horses? I like it. Yeah? Yeah. It was like you come up to a horse is like Phil. <laughs> Phil means like the lover of horses, the oh, name geez. itself. So oh, look gosh. at you being smart over here. Yeah, but what, but what if it's just like Andrea? 
Like, how how do you feel if it's just like a fully human? I feel like horses have to have like, oh, this is moonshine and this is mm, copper and. I don't know. It. it I did. Th- I mean, I like the name. You definitely have unique Devin. names for your horses. My They're, horses, yes. <clears throat> they definitely don't have like human names. No, they have all space names, <clears throat> and now uh, we started with the beer names. So. Beer names. Yeah, like Perrin. Beer. Beer space. Beer space. Beer space names. <laughs> yes. And it's beer and space. Yeah, I believe Perrin is a space name. Is it? I believe so. That would be delightful because he, I, he came with that name. I almost always rename my horses because I like them to have a theme. I believe Perrin is the name of a star, actually. Really? I'll, I'll look into that. That would, please tell I'll, me. It'll be fact-checked before I can oh, even. Oh, that would be, that makes <laughs> someone, me so Someone happy. will fact-check me before I even. So my last horse came with the name Tana, and I was kind of bummed because I can't change the name. You know, Tana? Tana. And Ugh. Well, I mean, she came with a name, but I was like, well, I've been training this horse, and then I bought her, and then I ended up selling her back um, for multiple reasons. But um, she's a horse that I really, really liked, and I always knew her as Tana. And so uh, then I found out there's a star that was, or a moon, or a star, something that was Tana, T-A-N-A. Oh, oh interesting. And I was probably like, a moon. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's was, a lot of moons. Yeah. A lot of moons in this solar um, system. So, yeah, so I need to rewind really quick and tell you about the miracle of how this painting became the size that it is yeah because it's massive it, it is massive and so what happened is I um, go online and I purchased a frame and then I stretched the canvas over it so I get this in a long skinny package so you make it yeah so I make it so I took this package that down is so scary into my me. basement but the thing is it's an old house and so I put this thing together right <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had to bring it up the stairs and like you've seen my house this going downstairs is quite steep and there is a weird angled curved ceiling to right and so then I made the whole thing and I primed it and I was super proud of it and I look and I'm like oh no you can't get it out is this gonna fit I mean it was squishy it was within half a millimeter to get it upstairs oh my gosh and it just barely fit through all the doors and I was like that's it this is as big as this house will let me make a canvas 55 by 72 and I I bought it on a whim I did not measure anything I just thought that sounds like a good size and I bought it, so. That sounds like exactly how I do things. I'm like, yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty good. Yeah. I'll just do that size. Exactly. It, oh, and yeah, and so there was just there was many different reasons that it just happened to work, and it was great. It was well, meant to when work. I painted the wolf the wolf on my on my mm-hmm. living room wall, I like that. I was just like, I think probably. 70 inches will be probably a good height for it. I, <laughs> just I had eyeball no, it. Literally, just I have no idea. Yeah. And it worked out great. It's our, our brains are similar in that way. We just kind of mm-hmm. like, we can project things into reality. Pretty good at being like accurately, yeah, accurate eyeballing, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, guesstimating. Very good guesstimators. So we, it's a black stallion. It's a black stallion running through snow. Running through snow. That is, that is spectacular. So w- w- what is unique about this painting that you didn't experience in previous paintings? Uh, I did a bunch of spraying snow, which I've never done before. And it's snow in general. I don't really like snow. Um, well, snow on a painting is just nothing, right? You don't, it's you don't a lot of white, <laughs> right? And, are, uh, wait, are you painting white or do you just not paint? Oh, no. Well, for the simplicity of the painting, I wanted the focal piece to be the horse. And so... I pretty much left a lot of it white. <laughs> and really? Yeah, because um, snow has this, uh, what would be the word, almost like isolating effect, you know, where your your mind sees things and makes assumptions. And so I put so much detail uh, in the horse, and that was a goal of mine. I wanted it to be very contrasting. 
And with the horse being so detailed and interesting, your brain doesn't think about, oh, she didn't paint the snow behind it. You just assume there's snow. Because there's trees and there's a shadow on the horse uh, and that sort of thing. But there's not a whole lot of detail outside of the horse itself. So it isolates the focal point, which is what I wanted, and it, your brain assumes that it's snow behind it because you're seeing the snow spray up on the horse but it did not require a lot of work to actually put the snow in, which was also intentional because I had very limited amounts of time. So this painting took me about two months, whereas if I had done a large background, it might have taken like five months. So I wouldn't have gotten how it many, done. How many hours do you think you have total into this? Oh, people always ask me that. You know, and you I, need to know this. This isn't hard. Just make up just to make up a number and hold on to it for the Here's the thing. Okay, it took it took me 20 years because <laughs> Oh, here we go. Because I had been learning how to paint horses and how to paint them well and observing horses for all these years and learning about color and learning about art and going to college and taking classes all these years. And so it took me 2 months. I'm not sure how many hours were in those 2 months. It was between work and on weekends and that sort of thing. Um, but it took me all those years to understand how to do it well and how to do it quickly. Hmm. But I mean, okay, let me think. I'd be eight weekends, and if I did eight hours per weekend, what would that be? Do, you're the math person. What? <laughs> how many hours per weekend? Is it 48, eight times eight? Or no, yeah, eight weekends, right? Four weekends in a month and two months about to get majority of it done. I'm thousand hours. So maybe, no, I don't know. Maybe like between that and then the summer finishing touching things up, maybe like 200, or maybe hour, 150 hours. I don't that's know. a lot of time to put into something. I would say 150s maybe, ish. That, that's a lot of time to put into something. That's really cool. You, you know, I saw a technique, um, my TikTok algorithmic for you page is like a mix of so many strange things. It's like aviation and pranks. I find so much humor <laughs> in scaring pranks. Like, it's just so funny to me. Mm -hmm. um, but also, like, there's a huge artist feed that's on my uh, timeline for hmm. TikTok. And I came, I came across this guy who um, was explaining, and he was some type of a painting artist. And I'm wondering if you do this. He, when he first gets his whole canvas, he paints the canvas white the white canvas he paints it white but with a really thick paint and he's like the reason i do this is the canvas has texture mm -hmm. but the paint is smooth mm -hmm. and so i paint the canvas white and let it dry and then i do my painting on top of that to give it nice smooth lines mm -hmm. i'm actually doing that this year experimenting with that i've seen that done quite a few times that's really interesting i've yeah. never thought of that before uh, you can get like scrapers like that's what it was yeah. he had like a big and texture tools and you get yeah and the paint will gather in those rivets yeah. and those things and it just looks so cool he, he had like a, a two inch putty knife mm -hmm. and he was applying the paint mm -hmm. to the with a putty knife yeah. and i was like this is the weirdest i have two white canvases i did that with and i want to paint over them that's really cool here. yeah abstracting like the diff i'm experimenting because i've always been very realistic and i'm doing a lot more abstract now so painting with like a palette knife and that sort of thing i've done um i was in a i did a art competition or a plain air competition last weekend, uh, which was super fun um, in Kalamazoo. And so you have three hours to paint a scene in a park, and then you all come, and then the judge will um, rate them and do first, second, third place. So I did that, and most of it I did with a palette knife uh, in a scene of a river. Uh, and there's a city behind it, so you had a river, a bridge, and um, kind of a cascading white water over rocks and that sort of thing. And so a lot of what I did is a, I did with a palette knife, which left a lot of texture and you can cover a lot of ground. But mm. anyway, it won, so. Really? Yeah, it did. 
Oh gosh, that must have felt good. It, d- it did. Wait, well, did, I, did you post about this? Did I not see it? I posted uh, last weekend. Yeah. Oh, I, I think that's okay. <laughs> I, no, I, I did. I deactivated my socials for a while. Uh, that's also I didn't see it. That's Dang okay. It. I'll, I'll show you the the picture. Of yeah, it. yeah. Well, actually, send it to me. I'll put it on the little thing. Yeah. And actually, I'm gonna put a picture of this in the show notes, which will be really cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so people can see where can they come see this. That's the big question. Is sure. like. Where can people come see your art prize installation? Um, so it's at Park Church downtown. Um, Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids, yep. It's First Congregational Park Church, I believe. Um, I typed in Park Church and it popped right up. Yeah, it's, it's the only Park Church that's here. It's right, right across from the Veterans Park, um, right by the library, Grand Rapids Community College. Uh, it's a large venue. It has a lot of artists. So if, you do, are you, if you're just hitting a few spots to see art, you'll see a lot in this venue particularly, so you can... How, how many were here? I forget. You, 44. 44 artists here in this venue. Mm-hmm. Is it in, in the hours, like the, the church holds art mm-hmm. prize hours, right? Yes, yes. The church uh, is open noon to 6, Monday through Thursday, and then Friday and Saturday it's noon to 8, and I believe noon to 6 on Sunday. Or maybe it's, I think it's noon to seven during the week. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. And would, are you holding hours here? Like I will just be here on the weekends, um, mostly afternoons ish. Uh, I might be doing some painting outdoors and that sort of thing, but weekends is when I'm hanging out here in the afternoons. Are you excited? Yeah, it's yeah. always fun. You meet so many interesting people. You meet a lot of interesting yeah. people here, and that's mostly why I do it. It's not really to win or it's just I enjoy being here and I enjoy meeting other artists and people in general it's really wonderful yeah that's well so everyone come on down here Park Church in downtown Grand Rapids anytime between like noon and six or noon and seven pretty much every day mm-hmm. and if you're here on the weekends you might see Jen in this you know are you selling it it is for sale. It is for sale. Do you yeah. want to give the price or is it an auction? <laughs> okay, so it is for sale by All Artworks, which is um, kind of curating and taking care of all the shipping of all the art if anything sells. Oh, so they like yeah, pack it, ship so it. Yeah, they pack it and everything. Um, so you can contact them uh, on their website. I believe you can see the piece. Um, but they do take commission and that sort of thing. And so it, I do have a price at 19000 right now. Um, so if it's still for sale after the event is over, contact me. We've got a deal. Let's see. Hold on a second. I need to do the math here. If you said it was roughly, because this is the way my brain works, I'm going to say it's probably 250 hours. Okay. And if it was $19,000, you're making $75 an hour. <laughs> Check you out. That's, the, that's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, plus everything else. That's just labor hours you had to get it here you had to get it right, there right right and actually um it's fu- was it was it leonardo da vinci was it is, we, is he a painter yeah. i don't know anything yes adventure um, painter whole bunch i of think stuff. there was a story that was told about him where he was um he was doing quick paintings um that uh like on the side of the road back when he was uh alive and and, and somebody said hey can i um, can I ask you to do a five-minute painting of me? And he's like, absolutely. And it was what, when he was already, he had been known for his paintings at that hmm. time. And he sat down really fast and he grabbed a napkin and he just sketched something for him wow. really fast. And he, and he goes, okay, that'll be $5,000. And the guy's like, $5,000? He's like, yeah. He's like, but it didn't take you five minutes. He's like, you're right. The, uh, Leonardo said, you're right. It took me my whole life. Yeah. 
and it's it, it's funny because like people see these numbers like that's crazy but it's actually not mm -hmm. because you're not paying the person for the time they put into the piece you're paying them for the experience that they've put in their entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. That's like, you know, an electrician that comes in and fixes a problem in five minutes and charges you $400. You're like, how can they charge me so much? Like, yeah. You're paying for the amount of their expertise. You're expertise. paying for the all the amount of time that they've put in to their trade up mm -hmm. to that point, not necessarily that one little thing. Yeah. And so I see this piece and I'm like, I can't believe you're starting that low. <laughs> I think it should be much more, uh -huh. but it is absolute. It's honestly, it's probably my favorite piece you've done. Because I've seen a lot of your, yeah. uh, a lot of your artwork, and this is, this well, is you. cool. Thanks. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's just go go look at it. I can't I can't explain <laughs> it. If you are listening to this, go to go to Grand Rapids. Go to Art Prize. There are so many things you can see, anyways. But this venue is really cool and. In the main little auditorium, Miriam Hall in Park Church, you're going to see, uh, I believe this is the east, eastern wall of Miriam Hall, you're going to see this centerpiece on the wall, and it is, uh, wait, do you have a name for the piece? It's called Ascension. This Ascension? Ascension. Oh, <laughs> Ascension. That is spectacular. Okay. Well, now we're going to shift gears. Oh, boy. Because we are about 20 minutes in, and we have a little bit of time still. Okay. I think you got a little bit of time, right? I got time, yeah. yeah now we're, we're going to dive into some other things, some other questions that I have. Oh, boy. <clears throat> uh, Mark's questions always make oh, me yeah, nervous. Oh, yeah, no. Um, I, I, wanna, I wanted to ask you a little bit. Uh-oh. There we go. Oh. I want to ask you a little bit. Um, what type of um, attachment style do you, do you oh, think you Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for those who are listening, this conversation started. <laughs> Apparently, it was never finished, <laughs> according to Mark. I get a, I get a text from Jen, and she's like, "What, what did you say?" You're like, "Have you heard of attachment styles or yeah. something?" And I was like, "Yeah, I've read the book." And you're like, "What book?" And I, was I like, had literally just heard of this like two days ago, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "No, that's a thing." And here's all the information. Oh yeah, I was like, "Yeah, here's uh, here's the book attached." Um, here's the psychologist, the guy that, that wrote the book. He mm -hmm. came up with the concept, the idea. Can um, I ask how long, how long ago did you write that book? Do you know? Oh, goodness. That's a good question. Probably not terribly long ago. Mm -hmm. We can look it up right now. Okay. Um, but I'm, I'm assuming, um, like in the last five years, maybe. Oh, okay. Cause yeah. And then, and then I got into, well, you know, here's, here's my information. And you were like, well, the author you know, says there's only three, and I was like, well, I'm seeing there's four when I do my expert Googling of this topic. So, How oh, does it give a... Oh, uh, 2010. So it was oh, not that long ago, no. really. No, I, I knew it was a fairly new concept and idea, yeah. but the book, when it was released, was it didn't grab that much attention at all. Really? No, it's, it's caught on in the last three or four years. Yeah. So the idea of attachment styles has caught on the last three or four years. And I think that was when I read it, it was like 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and it was this, uh, this doctor that, um, the psychologist, he came up with the concept that the, that people attach, uh, in relationships and romantic, mm -hmm. in romantic relationships in different styles. Mm -hmm. And he categorized people into three categories, um, secure, anxious, and avoidant. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, it's silly to think 
that 8 billion people fall into one of three categories. Just like it's silly to think that 8 billion people fall into one of 16 categories for Mm Myers-Briggs, right? But uh, you're like, no, there's four. And I was like, no, well, no, there's only three. And then, but what I was arguing was just like the guy that came up with the idea, he came up with three and then other people came along later and said, it's better if there's four. Actually, it's probably better if there's like 10. <laughs> yeah. And it's almost like, like you said, the Myers-Briggs, someone comes up with a concept with actually Hippocrates came up with a concept that there's four humors in the body. There's four fluids that create four different temperaments. I mean, way back then he was the first, but it was very interesting that he came up with four because of all the temperament. I didn't know that. Yeah, of all the um, temperament profiling systems out there, um, a lot of them tend to fall into four. Tend to, and right. then they, But then you think the Myers-Briggs is, what, 16, which is four times four. So he took the four and, and made them into four more categories each. Right. Well, he didn't do that, but yeah. Oh, well, whoever he's... Re- My, Myers and Briggs did. Okay, those two guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that is the Myers-Briggs has been around for a while. I think it has. like the 60s. It has, yes. Um, Enneagram has been around since like the 20s or even yeah. before. I found it very interesting that that there were, f- I mean, even though he came up with three, he, he generalized, he came up with the idea and he has to generalize idea of it seems that people seem to fall into three categories. And he's using the powers of, of observation, which is all we can all, any of us do really. Um, but even if somebody else comes up with and you know, says, oh, I think there's four, which actually I look more into it after a conversation and the avoidant is all he did was split it into two. Yeah. And so, and anyway, it's very interesting. So um, you are avoidant. I am definitely avoidant, 100%. <laughs> but whether I'm disorganized avoidant or the other one, I'm still becoming an expert on this. <laughs> but um, anyway, I find it fascinating, and it is good to, like you said, you know, you start to see. You, the more you become self-observant, the more you see in yourself, and the more you start to feel alone until you realize that there are more people that run into the same things that you do and then that's part of knowledge and that's part of more self-awareness and self-discovery and growing and healing and all these good things yeah so it is a process <laughs> it reminds me i sorry this is probably a little bit off topic but i was when i was getting so into this in my 20s i was just obsessed with all the profiling systems and also be an artist i woke up one day and i was i always envisioned the four in a circle for some reason not a square and then i woke up and i'm like the color wheel what if you took the color wheel and you put it on top of this do people have favorite colors that align with their temperament? Would it match? Well, to reiterate the attached initial uh, profiling, there's only three primary colors, not four. Oh, okay. You have a good point there. Yeah. All right. Kudos to you. Yeah. That's a good point. That's uh, but that's arbitrary. This is arbitrary. But then you have three tertiary <coughs> colors, and so you run into six and. Yeah, maybe there's only three temperaments, too. Maybe there's all this yeah. is a line and somewhere. Well, you, we see the number three ubiquitous in all things, but we also see four. There's four seasons. Yeah, but we we do that. We could say, like, spring is just the beginning of summer. Yeah, that could just be three. Maybe there's just it's two. It's all arbitrary. Maybe it's just two, and the, and the, over, the crossing over is, like, yeah. where it really I mean, is. Well, you could say there's, there's only two solstices. Say, but there's two equinoxes, and that makes four. What's the equinox? Oh, the shortest day? No, the equinox means like the spring and the fall equinox. Like today is the fall equinox, um, which is that summer and fall, or the, not summer and fall, the equinox means that there's an equal day and night uh, in, that, in that day itself. So there's an equal amount of day and night. 
and it only happens twice a year, once in the spring mm. equinox, once in the fall. Okay. And then the solstices are, it's the, the most amount of light or the most amount of dark. The longest. Longest day or the day longest, longest night. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. We are exactly halfway between the longest day and the longest <laughs> night, and that's today. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Happy right? equinox? Is that what you yeah. said? Fall, fall equinox. I like that it sounds like equine. That makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I recorded uh, a year ago, I recorded with Tom Pfeiffer on this day because mm. we were talking about the fall equinox. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We did a, we did a, a beer cast. <laughs> I like your beer cast. We, we need to do we need to do a beer cast because I feel like our conversations get really good. Oh uh, yeah. If you, it's not a Thursday at eleven in the morning, uh, it would probably yeah. be a lot more interesting. I don't know what I would say, buzzed or even slightly drunk. Probably a lot of things I would not remember. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, was it a week ago? We hung out Friday night. It was yeah. a, a week and a half ago. Yep. Um, I. I came into Grand Rapids mm-hmm. and I had a race the next morning. Um, I did, it's the Mount, Mount Bald Head. It's like a half marathon, but it's like six miles on the road, six miles on the trail. And the, the trails and the, it's like dune trails. And you have, you did that one. I know where it's very, that is. It's very, very difficult. You climb Mount Bald Head, you yeah. run down Oval Beach. Yeah. Um, and so it's like not just a half marathon, but it's like, it's it's rugged it's terrain very 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 difficult and um we went out uh the night before we got dinner and about one in the morning i uh got a massive migraine and i didn't tell you because i didn't want to bother you um but it started coming on and i've never really had migraines before in my in my whole life ever and this isn't the first one i've had uh the last few months but this one was very bad and i woke up early and left uh, and drove and was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, I, I was like, I need to eat food. And I was trying to eat some like these breakfast burritos cause I knew I needed to. Um, it, you gotta have some kind of nutrition in your body if you're going to run for two and a half hours. And, um, I was trying to eat these burritos and I was like feeling nauseous and I'm like trying to consume water and I was taking Excedrin migraine and it like wasn't touching it and I didn't know I was like I I don't know what I'm supposed to do I don't know if I can run this race like I literally don't know but I go and pick up my buddy um, Blake uh, who was in Grand Rapids I pick him up and I we drive to Saugatuck and we're sitting there and I, I literally just check in I'm going through all the motions and I feel terrible like terrible and I'm like all right, I'm just going to like do like a one minute jog from where the check-in is back to my car to see how my body feels. And I do like the one minute jog uh, back because I have to like put my phone down and everything. And it was like raging headache. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think I could, uh, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can't do this. Um, so migraines can be really bad. Like, oh, it, de- I've, debilitating. I've, I've never experienced migraine in my life and um and so like like the light hurt i was nauseous it was all all the classic symptoms right and um somehow i got a burrito and a half into my body uh, like an hour before the race and i had my head and i'm like pounding water i'm like trying to get as much as i can like as much as i can into my body because i know my body needs it i know it needs it i don't want it I know I need it. Mm-hmm. And um, I show up and I'm just like, I'm sitting there with Blake. He's like, he's like, are you doing all right? I'm like, no. He's like, can you make it? I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. And he's like, are you going to do it? I'm like, 
and so here we are sitting at 8.50, and the race starts at 9, and I'm just like, I'm just going to just do a mile and then just see how I feel. And, and then once we get to that point, we'll go from there. And I ran the whole, like, it was like 12.6 miles that day. It took two hours and 40 minutes, but I ran all 12 and a half miles. Oh, my word. And the first three were pretty rough, but I felt like my body actually, like, found a state of equilibrium mm-hmm. um, within all that. Uh, you're a tough cookie. That's crazy. That, <laughs> That's I can't do any sort of marathon. It's it, not my thing. But. That was rough. That that was a that was sheer willpower. Jeez. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend people running with the. But I had been like I was so excited about it. It's like yeah. it's the best race of the year. Yeah. It's like through the you know through the dunes and mm-hmm. beach and oh it was so fun, and I was so slow that by the time I got to the trail. I would, everyone was gone. Oh. I was, I ran the whole trail thing completely alone. Oh no. <laughs> That's so sad. I was, I was the guy between the running group and the walking group. And yeah. It was me. Yeah. It, that was it. I mean, it's, it's like, I feel bad for you to have to go through that. But at the same time, like I'd really admire you for doing what you did. I mean, some people like they are dead. Like they literally pass out and die when they have a migraine. And resurrect to. later, like <clears throat> I want to know to, how you did sure. that. I, I don't know. I just yeah, I just, you just do it. You have you a just, lot of willpower. Well, well, thanks. I just I, if there's any good quality that I have, I know that I can just show up to things when mm-hmm. I don't want to, when I feel like it's impossible. That's something I've always done really well. Is mm-hmm. I can show up to things. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was that was a uh, that was a little interesting. Hmm. Um. And that was the last time we hung out. Yeah. And strangely, you know what we did not talk about that night? What? Your, your, I think we started a conversation about monogamy and you. Oh. And and we never finished it or maybe, I don't even know if we talked about it that No, night. you had sent me a text. Did I? And then, or no, 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 it was on your podcast. You said something about like monogamy and how you thought it was like yeah. the way to be or something like that and so I was like hmm that's weird and then I made a mental note because I have I have literally I'm very visual and so I don't I don't like remember things well and so I actually image in my head a notebook paper and I write things down and then I check them off when they get done and so I had written down in my head to ask you about that right and so then I brought it up <laughs> but I brought it up at the end of another conversation I think it was super it was getting late and I was like well we need to talk about this but it's bedtime so go to bed and I'll catch up with you later. Right. And I think, I think what the podcast was saying, and this is something, this is like a, uh, a viewpoint I have held for a long time is that like, um, I don't necessarily believe that humans were necessarily supposed to be monogamistic. Mm -hmm. Um, that evolutionarily speaking, it makes much more sense that we would be polyamorous or, um, uh, like polyamorous mm-hmm. versus monogamous, uh, just revolu- or evolutionarily speaking, because if you look at all of our ancestors, our primates, and mm-hmm. all of, like none of them are mono- monogamous. And then if you look at the Animalia Kingdom as a whole, I think that there are some examples of monogamy in the animal kingdom, but they're poor examples because it's not about like I care about this other mm-hmm. species. Um, a super ton it's it's more like the these those animals are territorial mm-hmm. so it's not like they're like i'm gonna don't cheat on me phil you know it's not like that it's, it's always phil yeah no um like i think that that you find monogamy in 
birds sometimes sure. more than anything else, but birds are very, very it, territorial. Yeah, and you'd have to look and if if you if you were to assume that we are a hundred percent animalistic or not. And I think my stance was, and and this is the way it's always been, is that I might believe one thing, but my practice, like I'm very fine with practicing monogamy in my life. I'm fully comfortable with that. I might not believe that we were engineered that way mm-hmm. um, because the idea of monogamy is a construct that humans came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if people are like, no, we see it in the animal kingdom, be like, well, no, we're observing. Sure. And we, I mean, it, that, I mean, it's not like they're over there saying, I'm only with this one forever. They, it's just what they do or what they don't do. The, I, the construct is something we've created. Right and um, something that we can observe. Well, that makes more sense. Um, if you had the opportunity to be polygamous, would you? Oh, I, don't, I, I mean... How many wives do you want? <laughs> zero. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a lack of polygamy? Uh, what would, what would that word a, be? A lack of... It, um, well, if m- monogamy is one and polygamy is multiple, what is... Z- um, Zero-ogamy? Uh, w- without is... is like asexual means without oh. sex, so it would be like aogamy. <laughs> are you really aogam? Are, are you a- disogamy? Maybe aogamorous. A- I don't know. Disogamish mystic. There you go. Disogamistic. There. Yeah. So put, um, put that in the dictionary. Yeah. Right. Um, I. I I don't I don't really know how I feel about polygamy. Um, I have had more than one friend be in open marriages and mm-hmm. they've all ended. Um, but it's not because of the polygamy. What happens is one of one or both of the partners end up falling in love with somebody else yeah. that they're in the open relationship with mm-hmm. and then they no longer want to be in the marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like a way to date while you're married safely and well, without responsibility. Well, well you know, I, here, I, I, have, I have a question for you, and this is actually a moral question. Sure. Um, I won't name names uh, because they're likely listening, um, but uh, one of my good friends is in a marriage where uh, the wife is more or less asexual after having children, um, just uninterested in sex as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're around my age, so um, mid to late 30s, uh, early 40s, um, and she is just uninterested in having sex. I mean, sometimes that happens. And it's, n- it's not to her fault, and it's not even a fault as itself. That's just part of nature. Um, it happens to either sex. It, it can happen to anyone at any point. Mm-hmm. But when after she um, had a couple of children, she's just not interested in having sex. She's just, um, and he has a very strong sex drive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and he is wondering um he's like i i like i it's a real thing to that sex is like you feel loved through Mm -hmm. sex like that is like intimacy physical contact as a man or just people in general people yeah Yeah, like 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 and it's not everybody but some people like they feel loved when that they have sex from their partner like like with their partner like that's well Sex is an umbrella term also. There's it is. so many things inside of that. Oh, yeah. Right, and, and so, but continue, I want to hear the rest of it. Well, I, I mean, 
other people feel loved when you buy them McDonald's, you know. Like, Love languages. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But like some for some people, sexual intimacy is a very strong sure. I understand part that. Yeah. of like filling that cup of love, right? right. Um, and that's how he feels loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, that's part of how he feels loved. But so he like w- we've been having a conversation for probably the past year about like um, he's like. I really want to have sex. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't blame you at all. He's like, but I'm stuck in this marriage where like my one partner mm-hmm. doesn't enjoy it. He goes, it, it, it's a weird place to be if you are in a, in a situation where you want to do something mm-hmm. that you feel loved from, but mm-hmm. your parent, your partner doesn't enjoy it at all. Mm-hmm. He's like, it literally takes the fun out of it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't want to do something that she doesn't enjoy. That, in, that it just seems like a chore. Like she's doing it because, oh, it feels good for me or something. And so the conversation came up of, well, what would it look like if he had a girlfriend, mm-hmm. but also a loving family? Mm-hmm. Because he loves her. He loves his kids. He doesn't want to lose his family, but he also wants to have intimate connection. Mm-hmm. And so like they've been openly talking about like, what would it look like for him to have just an intimate girlfriend and also a loving family. Yeah. And like my first response is like, that's going to end disastrously, but it doesn't have to because like my initial response is a programmed response. Like my, my knee jerk reaction is the reaction that's been programmed because I'm like, Oh, that's unfaithfulness. Oh, she's going to get jealous. Oh, he's going to fall in love with her. It doesn't have to be those things. It's all dependent, but like you said, you can observe. All we do with an animal kingdom is we make observations, right? That's That's all you can do. And all you can do, I don't think you're jumping to conclusions as much as you understand human nature. You are a very good observer and analyzer of data that comes in from your observations. So what would you do? What would I do as if, what? If you, okay, I want, I want to put you in two situations. Put here. me some shoes, yeah. You are 38 years old. You have yep. two kids. Yep. Um, your husband all of a sudden is just like, I don't want to have sex anymore. Literally, he just, he can't even get aroused. Okay. And it's been a year and you guys have been talking. Would you be open to getting a, like a sexual partner to fill that sexual cup in order, but then still like have a loving family that mm-hmm. you want to like a domesticated family that you come home to every night and you guys genuinely love each other and you don't want to attend. I need so much more information <laughs> before I could what answer are your that. questions. So <laughs> first off, how did I get married? <laughs> <laughs> Pretend you've been married for a decade. Okay. And, and so you're putting me in, um, in some shoes as a person that for one I've never experienced being in that situation. It, there's no way you can project those real emotions, but I want to so know. So the that husband doesn't want any intimacy at he's, all. He's he's just turned asexual. He's just you know working so in his wood shop. So just and just anything is never just anything. Well, and of course not. So I would I would love to know if like, there's a lot going on under the surface, and Ooh, so you might be hitting on. Some what stuff is the there. why behind? the behavior well I mean there are some psychological um, is it, trends is it psychological is it, it physical is. is it hormonal is it it's probably all is it that 
there, there's attraction to somebody else that he doesn't want to admit to because the subconscious is very, very strong. And to clock into our subconscious is a chore. It is, it, you can deliberately want to and you still can't. Sometimes it's locked. Sometimes you need a therapist to help unlock desires and traumas from your past that are putting a roadblock in your life right now. You so, are digging up a whole bunch of stuff right well, now. Well, <laughs> because it always has to do with what's under the surface. Um, I mean, sometimes... Um, People at some point, I mean, it, a lot of it has to do with right around uh, the birth of children uh, turn asexual. That happens. It's not like super often, but en so enough. turns asexual because their hormones are off? Yeah. Because like, they've like had a through, bad experience? Um, no. I mean, it's, it, it, I mean, I can't say yes or no through the bad experience, but uh, like, it's, it's common enough to where it's not uncommon. Mm -hmm. to, and it, it happens more to females than males. Yeah, I've um, heard... Yeah. But like for them to just say um, like their body changes, yeah. like the, the maternal uh, change that happens mm -hmm. through procreation mm -hmm. in, a, in a female is dramatic anyway. And, and pregnancy can be extremely traumatic. It can. And the fear of getting pregnant can cause asexual. It also can be a thing. And all sorts of things, um, you know, and, and also there's, and I don't know about this either, but like people who have dated a lot before getting married, if they run into some road bumps, you start to think, oh, I never had this road bump with so-and-so, right? And, and you start to compare and contrast. That also can be an aspect. So are you having a, a is, is it an emotional imbalance or a thought or a subconscious? Is it a physical, emotional imbalance or subconscious? Is there just a drop in hormones? Is, is, is there, you're protecting yourself for some reason? Like there is always a psychological reason um, for people just to fall out of love might be there's a monotony in the relationship and do you need to find a compromise? But what if they're in love? What do you, what do you define that as? Yeah, that's the million dollar question, It is right? the million dollar question. Like, they don't want to share their life with anyone else. But he also wants to have sex. Okay, so what is sex to him? Does he need just a hand job? Like, does he want more <laughs> than, like, what is it? I mean, for, for this set of standards, she has no interest in any of that. Being like, no physical touch, like she wants to sit next to him and never touch him ever? Like, no, but just no sexual touch. Okay. At all. It, it, it complicates things. Sure. Because, and it, because in I the- I see why. Yeah, because he doesn't feel like she wants him. Right, and I, I don't in, blame him. In a sense, she doesn't. But yeah. it's not that she doesn't want him, she just doesn't want it. And it's hard to separate him from it. Does she, has she had? any sort of digging into uh, hormones and therapy or anything have, in those areas because that's no, where I would start. I have no idea, I have no idea but looking, I also know that these like sometimes the old-fashioned nature in people um, it's hard to break traditions and trends. Oh 100% yeah. Um, but um, it's been a very uh, painful journey for him I I for both of I them. I bet it has yeah. Uh, but the update is uh, no no girlfriend as of yet. Yeah, uh, the, I, the I third keep, wheel. I keep pushing him to uh, to to get on like sugardaddy.com or something like that. <laughs> oh gosh, you're <laughs> you're a great influence. <laughs> um, I, I don't think the reason to to like ha to like not do that is just because oh we're married and therefore we should stick together just because we're married. Like you have to be careful with that too, because that buries the problem. It can. It can. Yeah, um, they they genuinely are such like they're they're so amazing. Like mm -hmm. 
they're definitely meant to be together, but like biology is also very complex. Exactly. And things change over time. Right. And um, and so it, it is. It's a very hard thing to wrap your mind around mm-hmm. when. I mean, I, I mean, what if it was you? Me, as in. Like, like, what, what if you're the one who were just like, hey, listen, I, I love you to pieces, but I literally never want to have sex again. And that could change. Like, all things, of those things could right, change. And things can change. But for right now, and actually for the, for the um, foreseeable future, like, you have no desire to be sexually touched at all. Yeah. And in your mind, you're like, I, it wasn't, you had a great pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And twice, let's say, or even yeah. three times. And you're just like, I just have no desire I, for sexual intimacy. Knowing, to answer that question, knowing myself, um, I know myself very well. And I know that a lot of things I experience come in waves. And I've done a lot of self-discovery in the past few years. Um, and I, I look at my patterns in relationships. And I've been in a handful of them, more serious and some less serious. But I do know that I have the desire for the other person to be happy when I'm in a committed relationship. And sometimes that overrides my comfort. Uh, and so if there is anything within my power that I can do that we can compromise on so that things continue to roll smoothly and that person feels loved and I'm in love with that person and married to that person, that's the route I would take. You know? Take one for the team. Though. Well, oh. no, no, not necessarily <laughs> disregarding my own efforts. I know, I know. But saying, like, let's... What, what, what can we do that's in between? What, what can we do to compromise? And continuing to search for the reason why. Because everything in my life revolves around the reason why. Why, well, why is the scariest question of them it's all? It's not scary. Why is that scary? Well, because, I mean, especially even in science, what is, you know, the observation? It's the, it's the things we see. The why is the hardest question. It's, it, well, it's, it's hard to it, be consistent and with And it's the almost unanswerable because it's, it's subjective. Um, but the why, the, the why behind it is it's the biggest question in, in all of, of course it is. in all of the universe, yeah. the why, you know, yeah. um, and it's, it's, it's the best question. It is the answer to all problems. Once you understand the why, <laughs> it's just hard to get to oh, the why. Oh, it's the answer to all it problems. I didn't realize it's that. It's just hard to get to the reason why accurately, because sometimes the why changes as you're trying to figure it out and it is fluid. So... Uh-huh. Chasing down that why, and, and but once you do understand it, for example, our conversation earlier about the um, the attachment styles, yeah, right. And so I had been, I have patterns in my relationships because I'm, I, for my whole life since I was in my early twenties, I've learned to be more self-observant, and I can step outside myself and watch myself act and make decisions in relationships, and have be have a very ne- neutral, non-emotional data base of what I do and, and when I do it and I can get that but I don't know why I do it yeah and so I have a I guess you call it a problem you know but I see a, a pattern that of something that I have tried to control and I've not yet been able to control so I don't yet have the reason why and that's what I'm pursuing is why and so when I discover when another um, person who's into psychology spoke of attachment styles um you were like, I felt like, oh. yeah, that was definitely the feeling. It was like, I've got something here. I've got a trail. I've got a trail of something that's very, all the symptoms match. Um, and I need to understand this more. And 
I truly believe the more we can understand ourselves, the more we can help ourselves find a path of healing. Mm. Uh, in in self-observation and discovery is the very first step to changing any of our patterns. So for me, it was a big self-discovery moment, but Got not it. quite. Well, um, I think that is a great place to wrap up. And so incredibly thankful for our conversations. Yeah. Always. This They're always fun. fun. It's always fun on a Monday night when I get a fiery text from Jen. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm pretty sure that I scare away a lot of people with those. No, it doesn't scare me. It's fun. Okay, good. There's very few people that can engage at the level that yeah. which, it, which interests me. You and my sister and um, a, a very few, like two other friends, are people who I can send texts like that to, and they're <laughs> totally okay with it. And they understand. Oh, and that's yeah. the big part is like, just understanding that this is where Jen is at. Not well, being like, I know it's you're you're in a journey of a search. Yeah. But you're also fiery at times. Oh yeah. And you're an eight, and so you don't like labels, and you don't like to accept the status quo, and so you're always looking for the next thing. I'm you rebelling want against literally everything in yeah, my life. Of course. It's my blessing and yeah. my curse. The challenger. You're literally challenging everything. Yeah. And uh, it's not a, it's not a curse at all. It's a incredible <laughs> blessing, because this this world would not exist with the rigidity and um, uh, all the, like the technological advancements and uh, medical te technology and science and, and basically everything that we see that is advancing the world is because of, I mean, it's because of a lot of things, but because of eights, the eights push the boundaries. They mm -hmm. don't accept the status quo. They're always oh, yeah. challenging. Um, like if you ever watch the, the documentary on Steve Jobs, who yeah. was definitely an eight. Oh yeah. Um, he, uh, like, when he was trying to create these um, different type of computer chips and these different types of, of desktop computers, um, they would come up with a model, and he was like, make it smaller. And, he, and they were like, we can't. And he was like, no, make it smaller. Like, he, he was pushing back against the model. You don't take no for an answer. You're right. Well, okay. And he was pu pushing back against the, the standard model that everyone was like, well, this is how you can do it. And he's mm -hmm. like, no, we, we need to do it There's always better. a way. Right. And so yeah. th this is... Uh, this is the blessing that you have been uh, blessed with, you know, in your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm super excited about your art prize piece Thanks. in these next these next few weeks. Was, uh, when does it end? When's the, when's the last day? Uh, I think October two. Yeah, October, October two. Yep. Okay. So like you, one more week or so. Yep. Got about a week and a half. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jen. Thanks. It's always fun to be on your podcast. It's awesome. It's love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Your conversations are always so much fun and always so random, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody.